Hi, I'm Desiree, and welcome to Life's Patterns Podcast. This is a podcast about life and how it duplicates itself, and how patterns of behavior are shown throughout our life. How patterns of behavior, good and bad, are replicated and tend to show up in our children, even without any effort on our part. In each episode, we'll explore patterns of behavior in the life of different individuals, and we'll discover how certain behaviors have been identified in subsequent generations. No two stories are alike, and yet each one is strangely familiar. Each person will share their own family experiences. In this podcast, I'm going to discuss my father. Uh, My father was born in 1943, and he died in 2016 at the age of 73 years old. Now, I didn't know my father. I mean, I knew who he was, but from what I remember of him, um, I just remember him coming and I remember him going. I don't remember anything in between. So he really wasn't an integral part of my life. Um, However, he did lay the groundwork for um, some behaviors that um, have uh, shown up in um, me, some behaviors that have shown up in my family. You know, well, let me say some things that happened to him uh, happened to us. I don't want to say behaviors because he really wasn't around me for my childhood uh, for me to pick up on some of those be negative behaviors of his. But some of the things that happened to him when he was a child also happened to me and also happened to, uh, you know, one of the members of my family. So I am just want to show you that pattern of um, behavior and patterns of things that we set for our children. And if not corrected, can be detrimental to future generations. Walk with me for a little bit to see if we can just uncover, should I say, some of those patterns and to see how they play out uh, in my family. I'm going to also talk a little bit about trauma because it would be a a disservice to talk about his childhood without um, discussing trauma and without discussing abuse and how all this plays into Um, That is an emotional response to a terrible event like an accident, a rape, a national disaster, or anything that affects us um, in an emotionally negative way. Um, Usually after the trauma, shock and denial are usually typical reactions. Uh, Longer term reactions can include unpredictable emotions, some flashbacks. Um, Of course, strained relationships uh, are in the mix. And even some physical symptoms can be exhibited in the person, just as like headaches um, or or even nausea. In response to trauma, we can uh, exhibit a myriad of um, emotions or um, feelings. We can exhibit intense or unpredictable feelings. Um, You can be anxious, nervous, overwhelmed, um, or grief-stricken. Oftentimes, you'll see irritable or moody behavior in people. Um, It can change um, your thoughts and your behavior patterns, uh, especially when you're dealing with vivid memories of a traumatic event. Um, It can change your sleeping patterns, your eating patterns can also be affected. Some people overeat, some people don't eat at all, some people oversleep or just spend a lot of time just in the bed. 
Some people experience a loss of sleep. That's um, a really predictable sign. Um, you can also be sensitive to a lot of environmental factors, um, just like loud noises uh, can bother you. Certain smells that remind you of the traumatic event can be a factor that um, bring on memories that can cause a lot of anxiety. Um, we call these triggers. These are things that trigger a memory or a sense of the uh, traumatic event to where the person kind of almost relives it. Um, so also um, a lot of people can have strained uh, relationships as a result of the trauma. It becomes difficult to connect, difficult to show love, even uh, difficult to experience love. Sometimes this has a lot to do with what we think we deserve or just because we just don't trust anymore. So that can um, also be a, a factor. Um, people can al also be withdrawn. Um, they can become isolated or isolate themselves and just disengaged from um, just family members or just whatever is going on around them. I, I came across a study um, that showed that children who suffer trauma from abuse or violence early in life show biological signs of aging faster than children who have never experienced um, any type of trauma. Um, this study um, examined three different signs of aging. They looked at early puberty, uh, cellular aging, and changes in the structure of the brain. And they found that trauma exposure was associated with all three of these. The study also said that, um, found that children who suffered threat-related trauma, such as violence or abuse, were more likely to enter puberty early and also showed signs of accelerated aging uh, on a cellular level, including shortened telomeres. Telomeres are um, the protective caps at the ends of our uh, strands of our DNA that wear down uh, as we age. So it is important for um, those experiencing or who have experienced childhood trauma to either seek help or institute some type of coping skills. Now, many people have just adjusted over time because there has been a lot of distance between the childhood trauma and uh, where they are now in adulthood. But there are those whose trauma is just so egregious that it has been difficult to adjust. And certain triggers bring on memories of that trauma, just almost set them back. Um, you know, just where they were before, before learning those coping skills. And so let's talk about um, my father for a minute. He was born in um, June of 1943 to um, his mother, uh, Martha, and his father, um, Edward. He had had um, three older siblings at the time um, when he was born. Uh, so when his father died, he was actually, I think, about two years old, um, for what I am told. And at the time, his mother was pregnant with twins. So um, she became a single mother, you know, cause, uh, early because his father died um, in January of 44. And she gave birth to those twins in September of 44. So she became a single mother uh, relatively uh, early. So she had a lot to deal with, um, with my father. And from what I told, he was a very rambunctious child. 
and uh, I'm assuming that um, it was just she didn't have the skills or the knowledge to um, raise a rambunctious child or how to maneuver so many children because when we think about it, it it does take training you know from our parents before us to teach us um, how to be good parents or uh, to give us the knowledge of being uh, you know a wife and a mother and when those skills aren't handed down you're left grappling at you know what to do how do I be a good mother and how do I um, be a good wife so uh, sometimes that knowledge isn't handed down and you just don't have it. So you kind of, um, you know, struggle through life, you know, as it was with this particular family. Now, of course, I wasn't there. Um, I've gathered several relatives together to talk to me or to give me all the details of these stories um, as they were my cousins, as they got from their parents and as their parents, um, you know, experienced it. So um, here's that story. My father grew up in a uh, small town uh, in New Jersey um, with the rest of his brothers and sisters. And at that time, all of them were born. So he had uh, three from with my, my grandmother from a previous relationship. And there was him and he had a younger brother and sister who were twins. I've been told of stories of my father running away at three years old. Uh, I don't know how a three-year-old would run away, but the only explanation I received from family members was, well, that's how he was. Uh, so he had a really hard time from the beginning. Um, he was moved into a juvenile detention center at the age of eight. Uh, I'm not quite sure what he did, but the stories came to me was that his mother had a hard time with him. Um, he just wasn't listening. He was taking things. Uh, he was stealing money because he wanted to go to the movies. And he just did a lot to where I, I guess I'm going to assume that she thought that she couldn't take care of him. And at that time, the only other option was to send your kid to a juvenile hall or group home. I'm not quite sure if it was juvie or group home, but that's you where he grew up. Uh, I think he came back home at the age of about 13 and he seemed to have always uh, or get in trouble or be blamed for trouble uh, because he was the fall guy apparently. So he ended up going to uh, a foster home and his foster mother ended up raising him into adulthood. I'm going to let you all listen into a conversation that I had with my mother and my two cousins, which are the children of uh, one of the twins on my dad's side, to give you some uh, insight into my father's story. So listen in. His mom would hide money in her bosom. You know, old folk put money down in that bra. Yeah. Charles said he could go in there and get it out. He could go in there and get it out. She never knew. He went in there. He said he can go in and get it out without her even waking up mm. in her bosom and get the money out. And then he would go to the movies and stuff. He didn't buy. He didn't drink. He didn't do drugs and all that. He didn't drink or nothing. He didn't go to. He didn't do that. He just went to the movies. He yeah. could, and then she could have been a hard sleeper. I don't. I don't know if she if yeah. she drank when she was young. I, know, I just know she had a wild life, but and I he knew. Know. And he also said that. 
she knew it was him. And when he come home and go to bed, she waited till he come home and go to bed. And because he said they would be looking for him and they couldn't find him. <laughs> he said when he come home and go to bed, she would tie him to the bed and then he would get a beating. Mm-hmm. I wonder why she would never ask him, say, what What did you do? What are you doing? You know? Maybe she thought he would lie. I don't know. I remember Uncle Butt. Uncle Butt told me he ran away at three. I said, Uncle Butt, nope, nobody runs away at three. I said, no. you can scarcely walk. Right. <laughs> I know where you're going. Yeah, I run away yeah. at three. Got it. Got yeah, it. well, all he knows, he was three, and I guess he heard the story. And they and put him on Mount Ephraim. He said, we used to live on um, something Hook Road. Uh, Van Hook. Uh, yeah, by the railroad track. And he said they found him on Mount Ephraim. I said at three. But 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 Talk Charles did say Charles did say that he would walk away like that. Mm-hmm. He did he didn't say yeah. how old he was, but he said he would walk away. He just he just start walking. He just, now all kids would if you don't. He said, don't they would come, he said they would come to find him and they would come to get. But I don't think they never thought about going to the movies. Mm-hmm. But they or were asking him. Huh? Or asking him. Or asking him. Because you no. know all kids will walk away. I think his mom, I guess she felt like she couldn't handle him because he would keep walking away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just wouldn't stay home. He, I, I, Evidently, he didn't like being home. And yeah. he wouldn't stay. He would so just he keep was, home. He was troubled from a very um, early age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I wonder if that bothered him. I think about that sometimes. So I wonder well, if that's trauma. Him. Yeah. That's unbelievable trauma. Yeah. You know, it's being unresolved. Yeah. yeah. So. I see a lot of people drink to get rid of it and yeah. stuff. He didn't do that. He didn't drink. He couldn't hold a drink. He couldn't drink. He didn't so, do drugs either. No, he didn't do drugs. He no. smoked cigarettes. So I guess what he just had. And it seemed like he still had that. Um, he still had a lot of behaviors or just acting out behaviors, even as an adult. Cause I see some adults that still do that. Yeah, I was looking at um, some of the history uh, of my dad and trying to see how um, things played out. Cause he, he kind of had it rough. He did. He I did. guess he when you think rough. about that, you can have some empathy for him instead of saying that he was the person who wasn't there, you know? Well, yeah. So instead of, I mean, and though that's true, but instead of looking at it that way and disliking him for that reason, you can kind of, um, it gives me some empathy for him. So I can see, you know, where things went wrong for him and how things, you know, how I played into that. Cause he wasn't there for me. So when your dad's not there for you for a while, you struggle with identity, even though, you know, you have a single parent and your mom is there. The father is there to establish, I think, it's just my perception to establish who you are you know to tell you but who you are to give you that validation he wasn't there but he loved right. you he didn't know how to show love he yeah. did not how to show love and he loved you because he he for one thing he prayed for you and then when i when you were born he brought you a big old carriage stroller thing back at then the day. Mm-hmm. yeah in the day that's what they had he bought that for you he bought stuff for you he loved you. He ended up going going to court and going back to jail. I even took you down there, wherever that place was, to see him because I had a picture of you playing on the grounds while he was uh while we were sitting there on the benches talking. Oh, I remember that. Mm-hmm. 
it must have been a, uh, it must have not been, it wasn't, he wasn't behind bars. He was able to come out on the grounds. Oh. And we were sitting under the tree talking. And I did that. I took a bus out there. I did that one time. And I said, I'm not doing this again. I'm not bringing you to, to the jail to see your dad. I ain't doing that. I do not remember I that have, picture. I don't, you, I don't remember. I think you were about, you were not two. So, yeah. So I don't, I don't remember that. I think that's the last time he went to jail too. I don't think he went anymore after that. If he did, I don't remember. I didn't realize my dad went, went to a, a foster home. I saw that too, twice. And mom, you said you missed his foster parents. I did. I don't remember them. They were older people, a, a man and a woman. They were old. They lived in Atco. And um, they were older people. We call them mom somebody and dad somebody. I don't I remember, remember that. Maybe I don't. I, I, only, remember, I only met them one time. I think I met them once or twice. But yeah, but he, he kind of liked them. They treated him really nice. And mm -hmm. that's why. But uh I don't know why he left. Why did he leave? Maybe he, you know, sometimes they age out of the program or something. And he might have aged out. I don't know. But uh, he didn't have anything to fall back on. He had nothing to fall back on. Nothing. We so, say nothing as far as emotion attachment? Support. No support oh, to fall yeah. back on. No, he, haven't. he learned how to cook in prison. And uh, so, therefore, he could get a job as a cook. Which yeah. is what he did, yeah. Which is what he did, but uh, he didn't have any. He didn't know how to manage money. He didn't know how to buy stuff. It never occurred to him to buy uh, personal items, hygiene items, and stuff. It it just wasn't something he did. He didn't know how to do, you know. So he didn't know how to love because he hadn't had any. So he didn't you know, know that's, how to. That's love. true because if he if his mom put him in a foster home at eight. Exactly. And he didn't know how to love. All he knew, Pastor, I never forget, Pastor told me that uh, he loved you as much as he can love anybody. I said, well, that's not saying a lot. Mm -mm. That's not saying a lot because he didn't know what to do when 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 kids started coming. He didn't know what to do. Had no clue. Yeah. Even though uh, none of us knew. So, I mean, we just couldn't get up and walk away. Yeah. You know, but, yeah. Well, moms person. can't walk away. Dads can walk away. Dads walk away all the time. Moms yeah. can't moms walk can. away. Mm -mm. You can't walk away. Hey, uh, Not hey, all dads. Sorry, Jeff. You still. <laughs> what you say, Jeff? What you say? You hung in there. <laughs> you didn't walk away, Jeff. Hey I, hey, I never walked away from mine. So that is the story of my father and how his absence or behavior or I'm not quite sure how to term that but how that played in uh, carving out a path that um, me and my children will follow. Now granted uh, it is up to that individual person not to follow in that track or to notice the path that they're going in and decide to go another way or a better way, um, should I say. Uh, so fathers are very important, very important. They have a an instrumental role in raising their children, as you all know. And their absence, uh, whether they realize it or not, um, is deeply felt um, by the children. 
Um, I want to read to you a passage that I came across in Psalms 78. Um, It starts at verse 5 and goes on to verse 7. It says, He established a testimony in Jacob and set up a law in Israel, which he commanded all fathers to teach to their children, so that a future generation, children yet to be born, might know. They were to rise and tell their children, so that they might put their confidence in God, and not forget God's works, but keep his commandments. And I will end there until next time, uh, where I would, I think, tell my story, and maybe I'll take a little side journey. I'm not quite sure. But until next Sunday, y'all have a blessed day.